Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. The book of Acts chapter number one tonight. Tonight I'm going to be, I'm going to be starting a series that Unless the Lord changes something, my, we're going to be in this book for a very, very long time. Uh, about a week or so ago, the Lord laid this, this, the book of Acts on my heart. That what we need is once again is to have a spirit-filled church. And God is looking for a church in these last days that are that are spirit driven spirit filled spirit led the bible says that it is not by might nor is it by power but it is by my spirit saith the lord of hosts and with everything that is going on the answer to it all is Jesus. It's not, I, I, again, you're going to get tired of hearing me say things like this, but our answer is not Donald Trump. Our answer is not Joe Biden. Our answer is not who is in Frankfurt. The answer is Jesus Christ. And in order to present Jesus, there's got to be a church. And it cannot be a weak, anemic, watered down, spineless. There's a lot of other adjectives I could use there. But it is a church that is filled with the Spirit of God. John Wesley said it like this. He said, we don't need new things. We just need a fresh demonstration of the fire of God. And that's what we need. We need a fresh demonstration of the fire in the Spirit of God. Because God's looking for a church. He's not looking for any church. There's a lot of church houses out there. But he's looking for one that is spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-driven. A church that is functioning in the power of the Spirit of God. And when I think about a church being led of the Spirit, being driven by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit... I have to go back to the book of Acts to find the model that God designed for the church. I've heard people tell me before and they said, you know, well, Brother Jeremy, what you want us to do is you want us to go back to, to, the, to the, the 50s and the 60s. And I said, no, you ain't going back far enough. I want to go back to the book of Acts. Because that is where that the Spirit of God was poured out upon all flesh. 
You see, I hear, let me just, let me say some things. I hear people talking about Joel's outpouring in the last days. Can I tell you, God's already pouring out His Spirit. God started pouring out His Spirit in the book of Acts. And we'll get to that as we progress along. And from that moment, it is a perpetual outpouring. It's not a one-time event. It is a continual outpouring. And so what happened in the book of Acts still happens today. And should happen today if we allow the Spirit of God to drive us and to fill us. And so that's what I want to talk about over the next little while. Is I want us to talk about the book of Acts. And to see what a church that is truly driven by the Spirit of God looks like. You see, while the methods and the structure may change at times, the need is still the same. We need men and women of God in these days that are filled with the Spirit of God. See, let me say this. You can, you can speak in tongues and not be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. You can shout and not be filled with the Spirit of God. You can run around and not be filled with the Spirit of God. You can pay your tithe and not be filled with the Spirit of God. You can have all, you can have perfect attendance at every service in church, but not be filled with the Spirit of God. But people who are genuinely filled with the Spirit of God will go out into the highways, into the hedges, and will compel them to come to Jesus Christ. Because when the church is truly filled with the Spirit of God, when the church is genuinely filled with the power of God, when we claim to be Holy Ghost filled, when we claim to be Pentecostal, this is not in my notes, but I just want to hear this real quick. To be Pentecostal actually means, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that we pin it as people who are tongue talkers. To, uh, Pentecost actually refers to the harvest. And so to be Pentecostal means that we focus on the harvest. And so he says in the book of Acts chapter 1, he says that when you are filled with the Spirit, when you are endued with power from on high, he says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about over the next little while is I want to talk to you about a Spirit-filled church and what that looks like. So how this is going to look over the next little while is we're going to go through the book of Acts. We're going to take it verse by verse. We're going to look at what the book, the model that God left us in the book of Acts for a Spirit-filled church. And what we can learn from that and in these Last days, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you. Pray for me. I'm gonna be praying for you. If you are, if you want my notes for any of these messages that we have, just get with me. I'll make you a copy of my notes. What I have, what I have written down, uh, that I have studied, that I have gone over. Um, I don't, I because I want you, I want you to, 
I, I want you to learn from this. I want to challenge you from this. How many knows that the Bible says that we ought to provoke one another to love and to good works? Amen. I tell people all the time. Is I remember a while back I was preaching in a church one time, and a lady came up to me after the service and says, "You know what, brother? I just don't believe what you had to say." And I said, "Well, I tell you what, sis. I said, go home. I said, and wear that Bible out. I said, read it from cover to cover. I said, if you can do that cover to cover and prove me wrong, I said, I don't have a problem with that. I said, because I'm supposed to provoke you into love and to good work. So go home and wear out that Bible. Read it. I said, I hope that you read it through six times this week so that you can get the Word of God on the inside of you. So if I can provoke you to get, in, to get into the Word of God, then I feel like I've been successful as a minister of the gospel. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be doing over these over this next little while until the Lord, until I feel like the Lord has changed directions on, uh, on, on this. We're just going to go through the book of Acts. So the book of Acts chapter 1, we're going to be focusing tonight on the first three verses. I've sent them, I've, uh, sent them to uh, Brother Jacob to put on the screen for us. Uh, I may, Brother Jacob, you'll have to forgive me. I may throw some other scriptures your way as we go through this tonight. And, uh, um, and so keep up with me if you, as, as best as you can. I'll try to do better with that as the weeks go on. So please forgive me uh, for that. So the book of Acts chapter number 1. Begin reading at verse 1. We're going to take the first three verses tonight. The book of Acts written by Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke says... The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, to the day in which He was taken up after, He through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I, I know that you're with me tonight, Lord God. And I ask you that you would help me. I ask you that you would anoint my lips, Lord God. Help me to say only what you would have me to say tonight. Father, I ask you that you would speak to the congregation, Lord God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. Yeah. And Amen. You may be seated in the house of God tonight. So the book of Acts gives us a clear picture of what a Spirit-filled church looks like. In our first three verses, we understand the book of Acts is written by Luke the Physician. He is the one that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Many theologians believe that Luke traveled with Paul the Apostle on many of his missionary journeys and had a first-hand account of these things that, are, that will be recorded in the, book, uh, in the book of Acts. And where the book of Luke, where the Gospel of Luke ends, the Gospel of Luke ends where Jesus leads them out to Bethany and gives them the great commission. And He tells them to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
And from the book of and from the book of Luke, from the Gospel of Luke, we go into the book of Acts. It was actually before it was canonized in Scripture. Luke and Acts flowed together. They were not separated until the Word of God was actually canon until until we have the 66 books of the Bible that we have in our Scriptures right now. And so, both Luke and, and the book of Acts is written to a man by the name of Theopolis. And I want to stop right there because as we dive into what the church should look like. Everything that the Holy Spirit breathes on men to write in the Scriptures, as we know the Bible says that the Scriptures are God-bred. They're God-breathed. They are, they are that holy men of old spoke as they were moved, wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts was written to a man by the name of Theopolis. So stop right there and circle that name if you write in your Bibles. The name Theopolis. Because the name Theopolis tells us a lot about what God desires His church to look like. Because the name Theopolis actually means a friend or a lover of God. You see, nothing is put in Scripture by mistake. Nothing, names mean something. And in Scripture, whenever you come across a name, names are very important. And here God moves on the physician Luke to write to this man, Theopolis, who is a friend or lover of God. So it is important. So how does that relate to us tonight? It is important for us to understand that a church that is not in love with God is no church at all. If we are going to be the true church in this last day, the church needs to be people who are in love with God. You can be in love with the church and not be in love with God. Uh, As a matter of fact, you better be careful how much you actually love the church. You see, there are things that I like, but there are not things that I love. Because the Bible says that love is reserved for two things. It is reserved for God, and it is reserved for people. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so, whereas I may like it, I'm not in love with it. And it's easy to be in love with the church and not in love with God. Amen? And so we've got to understand that in these last days, we've got to be a people that are wholly in love with God. Our affections cannot be in any other direction. Right now, it seems like that there are competing, there are competing things in the world that are trying to get us pulled into different directions. 
to get our affections off of the things of God and off of the love of God and get them on the things of this world so that we can be divided, so that we can be distracted, so that we can be so, so that we can be off base. But I want to tell you, God is still looking for men and women who are in love with Him above everything else. Revelation chapter 2 tells us of a church that fell out of love with God. When in Revelation chapter 2, he, John writes to the church at Ephesus and says, Listen, Ephesus, you're doing all the right things. You know correct doctrine. You are trying those who say that they are apostles and are not. You have patience. You are enduring. You're doing all of the religious things. Things. But Jesus had something against that church. Can you imagine a church that preaches right doctrine? A church that does the right things. They help the needy. They help the poor. They do everything that is commanded of them in Scripture. But God still looks at them and says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. What you are doing is more out of a sense of obligation than it is out of a love for me. You love the routine. You like doing the things. You feel obligated obligated for the things, but you are not in love with me. And what did he tell the church at Ephesus? He told the church at Ephesus, he says, what you need to do is to repent. Can you imagine God looking at the church and telling the church, you are doing all of the right things, but you still need to repent because it is not out of a motivation of love to me. You see, that's what the name Theopolis means. Theopolis means a friend or a lover of God. We still got to be men and women who are in love with God more above everything else. He comes before our spouses. He comes before our money. He comes before our churches. He comes before our programs. He comes before everything else. As a matter of fact, when He came down on Mount Sinai, He said, you shall have no other gods in my presence. You shall have no other gods before me. It's not me and everything else after it. He said, it is me and me alone. You want to know what happens when something else comes in the presence of God? Why don't you ask Dagon when they tried to set up the glory of God in the temple of Dagon and Dagon had to fall over and Dagon had to bow down at the feet because I want to tell you, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now because there is coming a day where your social security will fall at the feet of Jesus. Where the church building will fall at the feet of Jesus. Where all sickness and disease will fall at the feet of Jesus. Where every man-made ideology will fall at the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus said, there is nothing that is ever going to stand before me in my presence. I didn't plan on preaching that hard right now. This is a teaching. Lovers of God. When I look throughout all of Scripture, I see men and women who are in love with God. Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses said, of Moses, it was said that God would talk to him like a friend talks to someone. David was a man 
after God's own heart. Peter and James were a part of that inner circle. John, the beloved, was the one that laid his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. Solomon would say, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Because his loving kindness is better than life. Paul would say, when persecution would arise against him, he would say, none of these things move me. Neither count my life dear unto myself. What motivated that? It was a love for God above everything else. And the church in Acts were people who loved God. They loved God more than their money. They loved God more than their houses. They loved God more than their lands. They loved God more than life itself. And I believe, my goodness, let me just preach this for a minute. I believe that the American church has a lot to learn from the book of Acts. Because when we don't want to give up something for God, that has become our God. Amen. Good words. See, when I met my wife and I begged her to go out on a date with me, and I did, I begged her. She told me no many, many, many times. But I was persistent. Because I was going to take her out on a date. But when I, when I knew that that was the one, Brother Johnny, I would do anything to make sure that I could be with her. All of a sudden, my affections changed. Where it used to be, I would, I didn't mind working late at night. Didn't mind working the overtime. Didn't mind doing all those things. I didn't want to put in the extra time because I couldn't wait to get off work so I could drive by her house in the evening. Just so I could, I would say it like I feel it, just so that I could just get a kiss. You see, when we are in love with God, our affections change. You see, the problem is. We want God based on what He gives us. And we preach that to people. Come to God. And you'll have a better life. Come to God. And you'll get this. Come to God and you'll have this. Come to God and you'll get that. I'm going to preach it like I feel it right now. The reason why... 
A lot of people fall out of favor with the church. And they're now sitting on the couch at home and don't want to come to church anymore. It's because we've sold them a bill of goods that God never promised. Here's the thing. Instead of the hand of God, we should be seeking the heart of God. God is looking for people in this day and in this hour that seek His heart. That want to know His heart. You see... We have to be lovers of God. That's what Theopolis means. But then when we go on, we understand that it says that Jesus, all of that Jesus began both to do and to teach. You see, the Gospel of Luke is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But the book of Acts is actually the continuation of His ministry. Jesus' work was not done when He ascended to heaven. There was still a work to do. That's the reason why, and we will come across this here in subsequent weeks, that He tells them, go into the city of Jerusalem and wait Until you have been endued with power from on high. The reason why he says that is because what one man did in Christ Jesus and the operation of the Spirit. He is getting ready to give them another comforter. One just exactly like him. That will now fill all believers who will receive this promise. You see that's the reason why. He tells them in John chapter 14 and verse 12. That is that marvelous chapter where he says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He says, the way you know. Thomas would say, Lord, what is the way? And he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he goes on to talk about the comforter that he's getting ready to send to them. He's talking, he will send to them the peace in John 14 that he is going to send to them. He says, because peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. Not as the world gives give I unto you. He said but another comforter is going to come. And then he says in verse 12, he said he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. And even greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. When I stop and I think about that, the works that Jesus began, when He goes to the Father and when He sat down at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor for you and I, and He sent the promise of the Spirit, it is so that we can continue to be the driving force so that we can be the Spirit, so that we can be the ones filled with the Spirit of God that goes out into a dark place. 
place. When he said greater works than these shall you do, it is not the fact that we start doing things that Jesus himself could never do because Jesus could do it all. He could raise the dead. He could open blinded eyes. But he was only one man. But all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost, he is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The sons and daughters are going to prophesy. And now what one man could do, only what one man could do, led of the spirit. Can you imagine when an army rises up on their feet and they are filled with the power and they are filled with the spirit of God that the same spirit that is right here in Stank, Kentucky here in Harvest Time is the same spirit that is in Africa. It is the same spirit that is in Jamaica. It is the same spirit that is in China. And can I tell you, whereas it's not only one, but it is an exceeding mighty and great army that is rising up in his feet and the power and spirit of Pentecost Everything that Jesus begun to do. Because he began it. And it's not over yet. Mm. Oh, I feel my help here in this house. See, he led them out. He had given them commandments to the apostles of whom he had chosen. And he led them out to Bethany. You see, when Jesus leads us out, He had talked to His disciples. He had talked to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We'll get to that here in a second. But Jesus leads them out as far as Bethany. When He leads them out, He brought them to a place of expectation to a place of confidence and to a place of worship. He brought them to a place of expectation because he said, you go tarry in the city of Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Father. That's expectation. So they go expecting God. See, here's the thing. And I'm jumping ahead. I'm trying not to jump ahead. See, the thing about it is, there was 500 on the Mount of Olives. There was only 120 in the upper room. Where did the other 380 go? And here's what I know. Not everybody comes into the house of God with the same expectation that I have or that you have. That's the reason why the power of God can be moving in the service. And Sister Steele, you can be blessed and God can move in your life. And the person sitting next to you can just be sitting there going, well, Amen. I don't know what all this commotion is all about. Because you didn't come expecting anything. Right. I've learned if I wake up in the morning and I already expect the day to go down into the toilet, more likely, my day is going to go into the toilet. Amen. But if I wake up with a song of praise in my heart, yeah. and if I open up the Word of God before I turn on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Newsmax, and all those other things first, and if I hit my knees and I hear what God says before I hear what the world has to say first, 
anything. Also confidence. Jesus brings them to a place of confidence. He said it's the promise of the Father. You see, when I have a promise, that gives me confidence. Andre Crouch wrote this song. Many years ago, it says, I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. Amen. And I tell you, when God gives me a promise, yes. He brings me to a place of confidence. And it lets me know that every promise in this book is mine. If it's here, I can have it. He wants to do it for me. And since we're talking about a spirit-filled church, He wants to pour out His Spirit on you. You see, I'm trying not to jump ahead. There's There's so much. And I get ahead in other verses and I'm trying to I'm trying to rein it in. But here's the thing. While I love the emotion of Pentecost. Spirit-filled believers will witness. Spirit-filled believers will live right. Spirit-filled believers will talk right. Spirit-filled believers will do the right thing. They will bear fruit. And so, it is the confidence, Brother Johnny, it is the confidence that he says, This is the gift that I want to give you. It is the promise of the Father. It is another comfort. It is the paraclete one just like I am. He is the one that comes alongside to help you. And I don't know about you, but I believe that in this day, in this age, we need somebody to come along and help us. I can't help myself. 
just make a mess of everything. But I need the Spirit of God that will come alongside of me. That even though when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit of God will make intercession for me with groanings that cannot be uttered. And He'll intercede on my behalf. Confidence. And Jesus brought them to a place of worship. Because they went back to Jerusalem. And what did they do? They went back and had a prayer meeting and a worship service. For the next ten days. The Lord dropped this into my spirit several years ago. They got together for ten days. I don't know if they left and went home and came back or what they did, but all I know is for 10 days straight, they gathered together and prayed and worshiped. And the Lord dropped this in my spirit several years ago. Imagine what I'd do with a church that could gather together for 10 days and do nothing but just seek my face and cry out to me. You see... I'm not, listen, listen to me carefully. Hear, 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 hear what this preacher is saying. I'm not against prayer lines. I'm an evangelist. I use them. I love them. But I'm afraid we get to the place that we want that to be a fix-all yeah. for everything. Yeah. I want it, it, it just... I'm battling this. I'm addicted to that. I'm struggling with this. And I just want somebody to slap me in the head and then that just fix everything. And I've seen God do that. I've seen God do that at times. But more often than not, it comes as we press in prayer. It comes as we, we used to, the old saints used to say that we prayed until we prayed through. We didn't, Pastor Tony, we didn't come down to the altar for 30 seconds and then get right back up. Say, I, I, I want to tell you, when it, listen, and I, I understand, I understand I'm 35 years of age, but I, I, I grew up in an old school type of mentality. If the saints of God knew that you needed the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you were down to the altar, you didn't leave that altar until you were filled with the Spirit of God. If they knew that there was a bondage in your life, you didn't get up from that altar until you had been set free. You see, Lord, give us people who will pray until they pray for you. And they gathered together and they worshiped. God brought them to a place of worship. And then, and I'm almost done here, showed themselves. He said, the, the Bible says that he showed themselves alive by many infallible proofs. You see, this Jesus was seen, he was heard. And he was handled. 1 Corinthians 15, 
Verses 3 through 8, Paul writes, and he talks about the gospel. People always wanting to know, well, what is, what is the gospel? The gospel is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 3, where Paul the apostle would write, and he said, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And last of all, He was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. You see, what does that tell me? He showed Himself alive to them by many infallible proofs, so that their testimony could be valid. You see, in a court of law, Unless you have an eyewitness, it's hard to prove. It's hard to prove anything. That's the reason why the eyewitness testimony holds so much weight in a court of law. Because if they've seen it, if they've experienced it, that testimony carries so much more weight. And see, the reason why, when we come to Acts chapter 17, we'll read about those that have turned the world upside down. How did they do it? Because they had been in contact with Jesus. They weren't sharing somebody else's experience or somebody else's testimony they had a testimony all of their own. That's the reason why in Acts chapter 4 we would read about Peter and John that even though that they were unlearned men, those around them had taken notice that they had been with Jesus. And here's the thing. When you've come in contact with Jesus, you can't recount. You can't rescind that testimony. Because when you've had an experience with the Lord of glory, you don't have to tell people that you are a Christian. You don't have to tell people that you are had an experience with God. It will automatically shine through you. That's the reason why when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, they had to put the veil over his face because they could they understood he had been in the presence of God. He had experienced the glory of God, and that glory of God radiated on him. And they couldn't stand it because they hadn't been in the presence of God. They didn't understand what being in the presence of God was all about. Paul the apostle understood what it was like to be in the presence of God. John the Revelator understood what it was like to be in the presence of God. And I want to tell you, if we are going to be men and women in these last days, a church that is full of the Spirit of God, we've got to be men and women who have been in contact. I can't live 
off somebody else's testimony. I can't live off of what my mama did. I can't live off of what my grandmother did. I've got to have an experience all on my own. I've got to witness him. I've got to handle him. I've got to experience him for myself. And that testimony, that testimony will stand even in the face of death. That's the reason why Paul could say, none of these things move me. That's the reason why Stephen could say, throw the stones. Because I'm going to continue to preach. You see, experiencing Jesus changes lives. You see, Peter feared and denied Him. But when the power of God came into his life, he proclaims the gospel. And when you have experienced God, there'll be boldness in preaching the gospel. I'm not saying you'll stand up here, but you'll share it with your neighbor. You'll share it with your coworker. You'll share it with those that are around you. There'll be faith in the midst of death. I challenge you. Every read. Every apostle. Except John. Had to give his life. For the sake of the gospel. And if they had to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Who are we. To expect. That we should have it. Any easier. I know, listen, I know that fall that, that flies in the face of the prosperity message. But the truth of the matter is, if he would look at Paul the Apostle and say, he's going to see what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Who are we to think that we should experience anything less? But even in the midst of even the most dire circumstances, we'll have faith in the midst of it all. When we've experienced Jesus, we'll understand that great miracle signs and wonders are going to be performed. Peter and John going to the temple of our prayer can reach down and say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up. And walk. Be so filled with the power of God that, like Peter, they would bring those that were sick and afflicted, just hoping that the shadow of Peter would go by and they would be healed. Or the fact that they would send to Paul and Paul would tear up handkerchiefs. And aprons and anoint them to go. We ought to expect, if we've been in contact with the Lord, to expect miracles, signs, and wonders. And if we've been in contact with the Lord, we ought to expect that lives ought to be transformed. 
I'm going to say this. And please, I want everybody to understand what I'm getting ready to say. It's great to have people healed. It's great to have finances rolling in. And those are all great. But if lives are not being transformed, Amen. and I mean people are not being saved, yeah. Amen. I'm talking about the prostitute walking in off the street and is no longer a prostitute. I'm talking about the drug addict that, that takes that they come in contact with the Lord and they take the needle out of their arm. I'm talking about the alcoholic and I've seen it. I've seen drunkards come to the altar and they kneel down drunk and they come up sober. We should expect lives to be transformed. We should expect those if we come if we come in bound with if we come in bound with addictions that we ought to expect they ought to leave free because whom the sun sets free they are free indeed. I don't believe that you've got to battle it for the rest of your life. I still believe in a God that is able to save from the uttermost. I still believe in a God that is able to transform lives. I still believe in a God that is able to deliver. I still believe in a God that is able to save. I still believe in a God that is able to heal. I still believe in a God that is able to provide. I still believe in a God that is able Is the church. And it doesn't come. I don't know. Do you want to come help me? Pastor, calm me down a little bit. This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning as I, as, as I was getting up. This is what I felt like the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me this morning and said, until my people realize where their help actually comes from. Things can't change. I want to be in church. And we're going to see, we're going to see this as we, as we dive into this. Next week, we'll talk about the promise of what it means to be a witness to Him. But tonight, we just, this is just the foundation. All I preach tonight is just an introduction for you. I want to be a church that is dependent on Him. Sister Steele, you can ask, you can ask Pastor Tony how many times I've said this over the last several weeks. I've told him, I said, I wish I could have, and I pray for it, I wish I could have the kind of faith that you, Brother Buddy, had. Or have. I don't want to say that in the past, but have. Have I not said? Have I not said that? Yes. I mean, I know I fall short in that because there are still times that the flesh will rise up, and I will try to look for my dependence 
somewhere else other than God. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I'm, I'm just being completely honest. But if we if we're going to make it our complete total dependence has to be on Him and on the Spirit of God. It can't come as much as I love my wife. My dependence to get through this life and into eternity can't rest in her hands. See, that's the reason why a lot of us we struggle with that. That's the reason why I know people, and, and I'm not I'm not passing judgment, please understand. I know people who lose kids. They lose their they lose their children in an accident or they lose a spouse. And they and after that they have and you hear them say, I've got no reason to live anymore. And I'm not, I'm not here to pass judgment on that. I hope and pray to God I never have to walk through that battle. Because I, I've, I've lost my dad. It's been almost a year. I promise I wasn't going to break down if I had to talk about him tonight. Because when he was when he left, when he died, even though that he was saved, for a while there I felt like I had nobody that I could talk to and share anything with. And God had to let me know. As much, he said, as much as you loved your dad, your hope's not in him. Your hope's got to be in me. And I want to be, I want to be the man that is totally dependent on Him. So no matter whatever comes our way, no matter what I have to face, no matter what the days and the weeks and the months and the years have to long, the Lord should carry come, Brother Johnny. Now is not the time for us to fall apart. We can't fall apart. We've got to depend on the Spirit of God. How many tonight say, I want to depend on the Spirit and the power of God? Can you stand all over this house? I want us just to lead us in a corporate prayer if we can tonight. just longer than I was expecting. I was hoping to get done in about 30 minutes. I really was. But I believe that God is getting ready to enter us into a season of complete and total dependence on Him. I believe that. And I want to be that way. Do you? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, God, I've done my very best to share what You have given me tonight. God, and I'm asking you, Lord God, we understand that your word says it is not by might, 
nor is it by power, but it is by your Spirit, Lord God. And tonight, Lord God, we, we, we depend on you. We need you. We hunger after you, Lord God. God, I stand here tonight, Lord God, and I repent for putting my trust in other things when I should have put my trust in you. And tonight, Lord God, I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would help us. Help us to depend on you. Help us to rely on you. Help us to understand that we need your help and we need your guidance. God, we love you tonight. We come expecting, we come with confidence, and we come with worship. And we love you tonight. And we praise you. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. enjoyed today's message by evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007, or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.